0: Dude, I need Wednesday, to dress man. up
1: more often. Yeah, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday.
0: I got my hair cut for you.
1: <laughs> I I was going to say, this, this looks good. I, I wish, uh, I'm going to grow some hair out if <laughs> I, I can. Sure, <laughs> um, by the way, as I'm discovering my own collection, some uh, Japanese whiskey this time. Nikko whiskey. I've never tried it before, but tonight yeah, is the night.
0: The, is. Japanese, are the Japanese known for their whiskey.
1: Apparently, but I'll let you know how it is in a few.
0: I, I think they're known for drinking it. I'm going for the. Um, <laughs> I'm going for the uh, the americana. <laughs>
1: how uh? How has your week been so far? It's mad, mad, mad. I think
0: um, we're running into the year end. I think how many days do you have left? We have like ten days left. We're trying to close around. Um, we just found out we're part of the Deloitte Fastest Growing 50 Companies event, you know.
1: Congrats. Uh, loads yeah, of stuff, I, don't, I, mean. I don't know. I mean, we're obviously, uh, we're actually going to try to disconnect, even though Marina and I always talk Ooh. about, like, now that we're part of the same company, right? Like, how do we really disconnect in a, a, at such early stages? But one thing we do know, right. and we, you know, we had this discussion, of, like, we need our mental health breaks, right? Like, it's... Um, right. So for us, it's, you know, every morning now we go from 9.30 to 11.30, we're taking Spanish lessons, right? <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm not practicing on you yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. I, I need to get my comfortable Quetal.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's a dream of mine though. What a love, what a gift to be able to learn a language like later on, like, cause you're going to be immersed in it. Like what a gift. Right. right? Cause you exactly. grew up. By-
1: sorry man i'm just like we're, we're things are happening still it's crazy it's uh 8 p.m here 7 p.m there yeah but yeah.
0: um yes so we've yeah. got i yes, we've got we've got a, a slick dressing uh person up <laughs> for for this series i've heard
1: i, I was gonna say what do we have run out of shit to talk about <laughs>
0: <laughs> close <laughs> I think we pushed it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if
1: that's actually <laughs> really possible or not. But uh, oh. but yeah, yeah. So I, um, it, you know, the 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 funny thing is, uh, I think we've been we've rescheduled with him a couple of times because he had a big announcement, which I'm actually was pretty excited when it did come out, um, just Thank given my my some of my short-lived pharma background. But uh, we're gonna let him in, and it is. As he's coming Amir in. Kalali.
0: As he's coming in, I was just talking to our friend, our mutual friend, Lisa Swonin, and she was wondering about it, podcasting in general.
1: It's her and birthday.
0: It's her birthday. Happy birthday. Happy to birthday,
1: Lisa. Lisa. That's <laughs> right.
0: We, we just saw her, and she was saying, you know, when Jim Joyce and Eugene start a podcast, it's the end of the podcast. Boom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amir, are you with us?
2: I am. How's everyone doing?
1: Good. Eight. We were like, all right. <laughs> I I was just I was just uh, saying to Jim that um, you know we had to reschedule a number of times, right? Um, and given the fact that we are meticulously unproduced, this took a lot of producing, in our, on, on at least my part on scheduling. But uh, I'll, I'll it was worth all, waiting I'll, for.
2: I'll, yeah, I'll take all the blame for that, uh, and I've certainly enjoyed watching. Is it series four now? Is that right? Is that where we are? Season four. Season, Season four. four right? yeah.
1: Who would have uh, thunk?
2: So we certainly love uh, mutual friends have uh, I've really enjoyed watching your conversations with them. And I thought being unproduced was phenomenal. I think the fault has been mine that there's been lots of new things going on, which I couldn't talk about. And I kept telling Eugene, you know what? I'd love to talk about it, but how about we do it a little later because this new thing's coming. And so that's kind of delayed us a but bit. Right.
1: Did you, uh, did you guys ever meet by the way, anywhere yeah, in the my, space? Yeah,
2: yeah totally. Jim, was running naked through a pub in uh, San Francisco right (laughs) during J.P. Morgan. I clearly remember that. Right,
0: right. You got to do what you got to do when when you're trying to raise capital. You got to do what you're
2: going to (laughs) do. I don't think think Jim and I purposely met. I I would not be surprised or shocked that we were in the same room somewhere, especially during J.P. Morgan. Uh, But I will tell you, Jim, once we are able to see each other, uh, I will tell you a very, very funny story about exploits in Dublin that you would enjoy. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but let's hold
1: on because we're now a few minutes into the discussion. We still don't know our viewers and listeners, the, the thousands and thousands, who you are. So give sure. us a little bit of your background because you have a funny so, accent.
2: Yeah. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, first of all, I would like to pretend I dressed up for you. I will tell you, I've got a few TV interviews today, so I would have been much more casual to match you guys today. But I really didn't think I should changed clothes six times today so you're getting the formal uh, you know jacket I'm sorry about so that. from the
1: shot of digital health to cbs
2: <laughs> yeah so, so so i i decided i'll just wear you know something that was suitable. so normally i would have had a very casual uh demeanor for you guys to match you so i apologize for the formal I, I,
0: I got my haircut for you and i put on a coat <laughs>
2: you know I, I i was supposed to have a haircut today but for reasons we won't mention they had to be canceled yesterday so uh um, yes i'm without the haircut uh, you look very very nice jim I, i've got to say you're looking uh, uh, maybe it almost feels like you were in a board meeting or something today you know so uh <laughs> so um to answer your question eugene you know i do have a funny accent um so uh, I did grow up actually in uh, Switzerland and yeah, in boarding school and then UK boarding school in, in England. Um, then I had, had a lot of Australian girlfriends that tend to change my uh, accent a little bit too towards Australian. And you had to then balance uh, out
0: the boarding schools with an Australian
2: girlfriend. Go- yes, <laughs> there are quite a few stories during those two. Is that how you
1: life. meant Milland? Is that the Australian oh, connection?
2: No, actually, no. Yes, no. He wasn't my secret girlfriend, no. <laughs> but, you know, growing up in London, really bumping into Australians is, is quite you know, an easy thing to do. So, um, so, yeah. So then I moved to California uh, as an academic. Uh, so uh, my medical school was in uh, London, which was great fun. Um, and uh, then moved to California for the weather, clearly and uh, been there since in Southern California, and uh, been there in drug development for about 20 years, um, mainly doing 30 to 40 countries a year, either till 2020. So yes, that's sort of the background.
1: (laughs) So uh, dive a little deeper, because when I first heard about you, and I think we met actually in San Diego, um, I heard Amir is in like the bleeding edge of R&D, pharma. So like, can you give us a sure. little bit more yeah
2: so um you know i worked for a very very large company for a long time and um this was the largest company of its type that did clinical trials all over the world very global so during those 10 years really, uh, those 20 years really spent a lot of time developing the infrastructure around the world of clinical trials you know in countries that maybe most U.S. folks wouldn't be able to identify the map, you know, Kazakhstan or somewhere. So, you know, offices everywhere, how to run clinical trials globally and, you know, at at scale. So any one time I may have, I don't know, 300 programs, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, under my group running them. So very, very busy and um, really learning. It's like dog years, you you know, you're running so many programs at once. You really uh, take learnings from one to another. So you know, making lots of new friends around the world and really uh, knowing where the best restaurants are everywhere but San Diego where I live, you know, so I can tell you about, you know, pretty much every city in the world except where I live, which I don't get out much from home.
1: Jim, you know, uh, I guess before I left also the big company, I was traveling quite a bit and once in a while I would get like a a Twitter DM, hey, check out this restaurant in this location and these like odd locations that I was at. (laughs)
2: Well, actually, you know what was funny? I literally had, I don't know, about hundred people that used to message me saying we're going to, let's say, Barcelona where you are, you? Where should I stay and where should I eat? And I think it was funny, they thought I had the time to be the personal concierge for literally a hundred people. I did my best to do that, but uh, it, still now if you ask me, I can tell you what is the best seat on every plane type, you know, around the world, uh, <laughs> what, what I think are the best hotels, you know, uh, in Barcelona etc. So I'm kind of still got that knowledge i haven't quite lost it yet but if this goes on too much longer i may
0: so how are you how are you coping are you so you're pretty locked down in california right now then yes yeah. are you miss you must miss you must have loved it secretly like people complain about traveling but like some people just love it you must like so it. Uh,
2: two things i never complained about traveling so people other people said to me you you travel more than anyone else i know it right. must be horrible how can you do it and i used to just think wait you're traveling first in business class around the world in lovely hotels, and the real workers are really working hard in really quite tough jobs. How could you possibly complain? It just wouldn't even occur to me to complain about the travel. Because yeah. clearly it was nice travel, and I'm known for my ability to hack travel. So that's actually my other specialty. We could do a whole podcast series on. You know, how to travel once we can. Um, and I've done them before.
1: Uh, Amir, I'll, I'm in. I'm, yeah. I'm like spreading my media empire. So,
2: <laughs> well, so, so to tease you, uh, the next time we meet, uh, my favorite story before the lockdown was I managed to get an FBI upgrade on an airplane. Actually, it wasn't even the upgrade. It was actually more than that. But uh, we can talk about that another time. But I, I'm specializing in very interesting ways of...
1: Uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. You, you can't like give us like thirty second FBI upgrade. You can't just leave it alone <laughs> like
2: that. All I can say is never, it's a really good story, but it will take the whole podcast. So I'm not sure. <sighs> that it's funny. Uh, I,
0: I managed to get an upgrade coming back from JP Morgan. And I was coming into the queue flying Sanfram back to Dublin. Yeah. and i'm with martin kelly our kind of our our sponsor here and uh and and i we kept walking up and there's we know there's one upgrade left on the air lingus flight going back and yeah. so i come walking in we're rushing to the front of the queue and and i look over and i'm saying you know listen I'm, i've been traveling in with this guy and i'm not sure he packed his own bags
2: yes no no so it's funny you should say that so uh, so I would say that all my activities are ethical when it comes to travel hacking. This is the one life, it was completely I just called
1: you unethical, Jim. No. <laughs> no, no.
2: <laughs> but what, what I would say is it, it's similar in the sense that I actually, it wasn't really, that's why I said it wasn't really upgrade because luckily for me, I don't really need to upgrade to anything, right? So I don't really travel coach, but the, the, the issue was there was a, a cancellation of a flight. There was no seats left on any alternative flight. And despite being the highest level on all the alliances, so all three, are, I, I still am the highest level, that still didn't cut it because there were no seats. So the story really is how to obtain a seat when there is no seat. So it's more than an upgrade, but uh, it did involve some shenanigans. So yes, so we, we can talk about that later, definitely. But you know to-
1: it's funny, it's funny Jim brought up JPM, right? Because I'm yes. I'm, I'm actually kind wait, of like-
2: wait, I brought it up talking about him running naked through JPM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, <laughs> true.
1: You get all all the credit, all the credit.
2: Um, I just want to say that that phrasing again, just to embarrass him a bit more. That's all. Right, right. Thanks.
1: So <laughs> so JPM, I, I to be honest, I don't even know what's happening. I know there's like a lot of activities. But I have no idea. Like I know, for example, Startup Health, which was always the digital health sideshow yep. from JPM. Fresh, fresh and show, yep. They're still gonna have something. I know. Yes. Uh, I think you know. Marina is presenting as a as a transformer. Um, yep. But I have no idea what else is going on or why it's <laughs> even. It's funny you
2: should say that. I've had about 20 emails asking me that very question saying, can you tell us what's going on? As if I'm the mayor of San Francisco or something, I know. What I will tell you is um, I did see a really funny tweet yesterday where I wish I'd I'd done a thought of it. It said, JP Morgan 2021, all the work, none of the parties which pretty much <laughs> right. sums up 2020, like, really.
0: <laughs> right, like, like I went to an awards event, and I'll, I'll leave it out of it. I went to an awards event, and they put us all award, you know, the people getting the award into a Zoom room. They managed to bottle all the worst parts of an awards event into a Zoom call, and then, you know, and extract all the possible joy and fun out of it. And then at the end of it, you sat there. We didn't win the award, and they... they they blocked you out of the meeting, like in two seconds, you know, it
2: was just a disaster. I
1: I actually hope one of the organizers is listening for feedback because I'm sure that they they will be able to tell what it is.
2: So
0: Amir, we got to talk about you because so you, you got boarding school, we got Australian girlfriends, we got moving for weather. Um, we, you did your medical degree and and then you joined and you're allowed to say the alma mater of the company you were in for years oh, i think everyone knows
2: it's the largest company in clinical research but yeah. So yeah.
0: then yeah. you were running 300 projects you were hacking travel you're giving barcelona uh, eating tips and so that's where you left our list sure from. um
2: where so so then i think um one of the things i'm known for are my hobbies so although i have day jobs i tend to have a lot of hobbies and um, many of them involve bringing people together cool. uh uh, so in terms of life sciences, and I've done others, by the way, one of the more interesting ones that I talk about, I'm also one of the founders of the biohacking village at DEFCON, which is a whole other story, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's actually very topical because this week we know we've had hacks of the hacks of the US government by, you know, allegedly uh, Russian uh, people Um, but uh, that's that's been really interesting and I did that mainly to really keep an eye on things like synthetic biology and other things that will really affect drug development but in terms of uh, kind of my mainstream work uh, it really goes back to 18 years ago where I really felt Pharma was not collaborating the way they should or talking to each other. In fact, I used to tell a joke that wasn't really funny or a joke that if you were at an academic meeting 20 years ago, if two pharma people were talking to each other, one was interviewing for a job. They really did not talk to each other about what they were doing. Everything was considered a secret, despite the fact that most things weren't and we should really collaborate. And here I was running most of the programs for them Right. And understanding what's going on and thinking you need to learn from each other. So that was really the catalyst for me as a physician, thinking if patients realized how little we collaborated, where we should be, they would not be happy. So it's really for me an important thing to bring together forums. So I did my first one 18 years ago, It's still going on its 19th year, brings together companies who, you know, discuss issues that we could collaborate on on the science side, you know, and then compete on the molecule and things that are appropriate that way, but really not waste money redoing everything someone else has done, right? Because if we know, why would we waste that? And if we know, let's tell your competitor, actually, that this pathway is not good, because we only have so many research dollars, we shouldn't waste it by redoing it in small pockets. So that's been a that's big happened? problem. What's Do you think that's that happened?
0: Has that happened in the last year? I mean, with us getting these these vaccines produced in so, such
2: so- Sure. So Laura Peel will definitely say that uh, the uh, 2020 has forced that on companies. To give people credit, we have actually been trying to do that for about 20 years. I think okay. some companies are more collaborative than others, some space. I will tell you that, um, you know, people definitely, um, instead of seeing the light, the feel the heat, I think where we've seen the most collaboration is where people realize they absolutely cannot do it on their own. So if you look at, for instance, I'll take my own area of neuroscience. If you think of things like ADNI, which was like an imaging consortium around Alzheimer's, there's no way any one company right now can solve some of the methodological issues that we're facing Alzheimer's. There's just no way. We have to collaborate and pull resources. No, even the biggest companies cannot do that. So I think those are areas that really seem obvious that one has to, and I think that's happened. Now, can we go beyond that and really collaborate in areas that are not so painful? Uh, that's, that's the question.
0: The, you know, Jacob Laporte from Novartis, Go. you know, talked about, you know, the digital on ramps into Novartis and trying to do with, what well, was he, was it, the biome, the Novartis biome project. Yes. And, um, and he said something really interesting. I hadn't heard a pharma executive say this before that talked about, there's so many aspects in digital health technology that, that you're fundamentally building platforms or you're building stuff that should be shared, you know, multi pharma, uh, you know, multi pharma, uh perspective mm-hmm. on a technology mm-hmm. like one company you know with one drug in a space has a clever digital health tool should be collaborating with the three others i haven't heard that a lot
2: well yeah. You know, if you if i take that analogy further if you think about let's say outcome measures you really cannot go to the FDA and say, I've come up with this outcome measure just for my company, my drug. And so it's much more powerful to go to the FDA. And we've done this many times over the years with a consortium of companies that work together to develop an outcome measure, validated across different data sets. The FDA then is much more likely to say yes to that than just one company going and saying, this is the way. I'll give you an example, okay? Uh, many, many years ago, we were looking on uh, really standardizing how we... Uh, assess depression clinical trials, and at the time, every company had their own way of training people how to do the Hamilton Depression Rating Scale. And what was crazy about it was they all thought that you know the, the investigators, the physicians who see the patient, will go home, and then in the morning they have you know twelve patients. In clinical trials and one might be company a one might be company b and they're going to say hmm what did this company tell me a year ago on exactly how to rate this item let's do that because it's the patients for that company or my next patient is you know the way company B. that's not going to happen so the idea that you can tell people that only your way for your thing is not particularly, you know, uh, practical. So I think there's many examples where, as, as you mentioned, and I think what Jacob said is absolutely true, that the more something is really used by others, actually strengthens it, and we need to do that. Mm, mm. You
1: know what what struck me, and I think Amir, we we met under the context of uh, the CNS summit, right? Sure. Which uh, I mean, there's a lot of, honestly. Crap conferences out there and very much focused, even if some say they're a nonprofit, they're selling every pixel, every inch, slash, you know, every room. Yeah. And I remember some of the early discussions, like actually in San Diego, where when we met. Um, I just even remember your approach, like it wasn't about, you know, a sponsor for conference. It's like, what, what value can you provide to the community of the CNS? And unfortunately, I, I still, to this day, regret that I haven't been able to come. Um, so you're well? always yeah. watching it from afar. Yes. That's um, I, I, yeah, I, you know, to me, that was the the aspect of like cooperation and and collaboration in the pharma industry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, let me say a few things about it. I mean, for instance, recently got my good friend, Jane Metcalf, obviously uh, on the uh, That's right. podcast. I love Jane. She actually was one of our hosts this year. We actually were one of the very few meetings that actually built a real stage, got COVID tested. That. And we actually did uh, not with, a, with no audience, but we actually did do a physical meeting just so that people could kind of, have that feeling that it's not just the Zoom, right? Uh, and Jane was very kind enough to fly down and, you know, do all that, there was a lot of prep involved to do that. Um, so what's interesting is Jane doesn't go to your average life science, you know, pharma conference at all, none of them, right? So why is Jane there? You know, why is my career there? Why put some hackers there? You know, lots of really interesting people. And I think uh, with Summit, because there was a couple of principles. I, I started it, honestly, yeah, in a way it's being frustrated with meetings. So uh, the way I look at it is if something doesn't exist, I just create it. If, if I'm not happy with the status quo, I don't bitch about it, just like I didn't bitch about traveling at the time, I just do something about it. And I, what I, my frustration was I've, I looked at life science meetings, and this is no different to any area for quite frankly, is there was a spectrum. There's a spectrum of academic meetings which are very appropriate. I sit on the board with many of those, uh, they are there to you know, push science forward and think about the etiology of disease and very important what they do. Their primary concern is not drug development. So they're not, they're not trying to solve drug, nor should they solve drug developers problems, right? Then you have a whole range of what you mentioned, commercial meetings where, you know, some of them are very large entities that run 600 meetings a year. One day is fashion, next day is nuclear power stations, and next day is life sciences. And they don't, and some of them on purpose do not have any de- domain expertise whatsoever, right? And their only goal is profitability. I have nothing against that. I think that any, you know, it's like any other business, good luck to them. But to me, they're not really achieving anything if really their main focus is how do I put more bums on seats and make more money? Sure. And I'll take anyone's money who's willing to pay me, right? So right. with Summit, we thought, well, why can't we have the best of all worlds, which is, academic rigor so we cannot buy your way into the keynote you cannot pay to play as far as i'm concerned um i I go to some meetings that charge me i go to all these meetings even if i don't like them just to see you know what they're like um there's quite a few now that charge you five thousand dollars at the high end right and then everything on stage is paid for play clearly i mean it's very clear that whoever's on stage is paid and your dinner is some famous company uh, while you're having your dinner, you already paid $5,000 for this conference. Your dinner is right. selling you something for 45 minutes, say, and without irony, because some of them, uh, you've got lots of things that could be, have humility about selling you something during your dinner. And I've, I've actually said to the organizers, I said, you know, that's just greedy. You can't charge $5,000 and advertise, right? It's just not a good, it's not a sustainable model to me. To me, if you're a life science leader, you can get this advertising at home for free. Why right. would you pay to go to something? And that—that that is a very unusual approach because it's not a profitable approach, right? If you're maximizing profit, you cannot have that model. It just is not possible. So right. the only way you can do it is to understand that this is not profit is your, your motive. Your motive is do the right content thing. First. Content first. Have the first. content right. Have very high standards about that. And then people hopefully will understand that and support you. And I think that's how Summit started. Isn't
0: it the time though? Isn't it now the time of like you know think about like it's authenticity. It's about purpose. Like all these businesses that are really crushing it. Like we had um, uh, we had Lee Shapiro on, and he talked about you know the fundamental story, um, you know, of Glenn Tolman's son that drove the creation and the obsession with creating a great product uh, with Congo, and how. You know, and 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 they were the most. They have to be the. They're going to be down in history as the most profitable venture of all times in terms yeah. of creating something and bringing it all the way through. So, isn't it the time where now it's it's just it's just not in conflict anymore? Like it, people thought it was in conflict, but it's actually not in conflict.
2: I I think the time has been always. I think that, mm. that so it's always been right to do that. Uh, I did one challenge we have is just like everything else we're facing this year. There's also fake authenticity. So, so if something is successful, then there's going to be a bunch of people, you know, faking it and saying, you right. know, that, so like, that's, like
0: Eugene and I, we truly are unproduced.
2: Yes, <laughs> <Not> you, you, <laughs> yes, yes. That's yes. what
1: they all say, though. <laughs> and, and,
2: and, and, yeah, and that we believe, But here's the thing, though: you're authentically unproduced. I would not be shocked if, if let's say you, you hit the Josh Rogan uh, levels that Eugene's aiming for, right? Let's say you do that, there will be people who will be highly produced claiming to be unproduced they will yeah. be right <laughs> 100%. hey
1: you know uh, co- we get when, get somebody's into, copying I, I, us
0: I, yeah exactly we got we had, i don't know what you were you want to get i know you guys did a you did a little call before well we
2: had to catch up because i you know i'm always uh, interested. i, in I broke
1: out and, this and, earlier so well, right, I, I, it's, I,
2: it's very early in the morning here so i will tell you i've got I've got a choice. I can have non-alcoholic, okay? <laughs> or I can have alcoholic. I haven't, tr- I haven't decided if it's early enough what, yet. What do you got there? Because I, very I, nice. you should I got
0: the, it. I got the Japanese There you go.
2: Whiskey. Oh, well, There you go. We're matching. That's fantastic. You're
0: officially, you're officially on Dublin, Barcelona time. So you're allowed okay, to.
2: Okay, perfect. <laughs> I can move from the ginger ale to the whiskey ale. Okay?
0: <laughs> but like, I, we, I, we have to cover the subject. I didn't tell you this beforehand, but the subject that I want to cover was the psychology of of have
2: a good pair of shoes oh yeah (laughs) wait 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 wait. before you
1: before you go into that i'm sorry i i I just have to back to jpm where you were running around naked uh
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah jim you're never gonna live that down that you're gonna believe it
1: (laughs) so i i i think this was actually at michelle's medical party right yes. um yes. i introduced you to my better half marina yes. and your first yes. comment i think right after something like nice shoes and you even knew the you know the designer sure. which sure. i kind of looked at you and i was like how do i how do you know a designer shoe designer so you know sorry i wanted to set the context a little sure. bit on that
2: 100 <laughs> you know i pride myself in knowing a little about everything as much as <laughs> so i'm a curious person so i, I you know really i i pretty much can give you a you know 30 minute dissertation on pretty much any topic just just enough to be <laughs> dangerous so shoes is one of those yes there's especially women's I will, I will tell you um that uh one time I I was okay I'll go completely off topic which will become farmer in a second um it's a very sto- a funny story about Europe um uh, so I I was in Istanbul once and we normally I'm the person who's always been there 10 times before and I'm the sort of the tour guide so we had a bunch of people who were coming uh to that meeting and I and one of them I knew you know was very fashionable uh and I sent her a note and I said listen Istanbul has a lot of cobblestones please make sure you bring some flat shoes and so the first day we get there the whole crowd and she's there with like 10 inch pumps you know and I'm like did you not get the memo about the flat <laughs> shoes? And she goes, well, I didn't know the cobblestones would be like this. And I'm thinking, well, what kind of co- <laughs> like, ha- So we had to spend the first hour shopping for shoes for her so she could actually do the tour, right? So so did a lot of uh, shoe shopping there. And then last year uh, I was in Copenhagen think an academic meeting and I was there early because I'm part of the executive and the rest were coming later. So the same lady, I just was feeling very um, uh, sort of concerned that she would make the same mistake. So I sent her a text and she's not always the most responsive person when you message her. So I sent her a message saying her name, I will not even say her her first name. I said, don't forget Copenhagen has uh, cobblestones as well. Please make sure you have flat shoes. So this person wrote back immediately, which is kind of unusual, and said, well, Amir, thank you. You always have good advice. Yes, I can confirm I have flat shoes. It turned out that I, in my hurry to text this person, the same first name was used, except the person I actually texted was the newly incoming CEO of a major pharma company who happened to be headquartered in (laughs) Copenhagen, which you can guess what that is. And she'd written back, as if this was a perfectly normal text to get from me. She's like, just thankful for the advice. And I thought, so I had to write back and say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. This was for another first name, (laughs) you know? But apparently the advice was just as relevant as it happened. So yes, that was my shoe thing continues.
1: So the, on, the only thing I got out of this is when Maureen and I go into Istanbul, we'll call you where to get the shoes.
2: Yes. Well, I wouldn't, rec- I mean, Istanbul has many, many great things to buy. I'm not sure shoes will be the top of the line. I but as a,
0: as a, neuro, a neuroscientist or as a clinician, yes. as, you know, so that, but the psychology of shoes is going to be fascinating, right? Like, so the, you know, the fact that, so the shoe is connecting you to where you're walking, it's. It's, it's setting you up to like, it's your it's your condition of like formality of event, convenience, exercise. It's like, there must be a whole, do, do, are you obsessed with it or is it just you just like to wear a good pair of shoes?
2: Are you asking Eugene or me? You. Oh, I'm not obsessed with shoes at all. No. It was not an area of neuro, neuro, neuroscience I'm into. So I, 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 as I said earlier, I know a little about everything. I'm in no way obsessed with shoes. I will admit, I do have more shoes than the average person, but that's not, that's not an obsession at all. <laughs> I, I have many other things that I'm obsessed about, shoe tech being one of them, shoes not really. I, I mean, I have more than most people, but no, it's not an obsession. So, I mean, <laughs>
1: you can look at, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, gait measurement devices now in shoes. Yeah. I actually Absolutely. saw, you know, speaking of Japan, that's where I first saw a lot of these uh, yeah. devices. Yeah,
0: so, yeah you, you want to be like, when you go into the line at the airport, you want to be behind a like a, a Japanese businessman because, you know, they'll just be able to slip their shoe off before they go through the, the terminal.
1: <laughs> per, perfect
0: no, planning, what, perfect Jim, plan. Jim, what you really
2: want to do be in the club that has its own TSA line so you don't even have to go to the normal line, right? right, right. right. See, I thought this is fam-
0: going to be fancy a Fancy guy. You were telling <laughs> me you need, this is going to be a shoe intervention. This is going to
1: be a shoe intervention. I mean, psychological. <laughs> I, I will bring Marina in on that. I should have brought her in on this conversation because yes. I, I know nothing about it. I just know the ones with the red soles are good. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know.
2: (laughs) But you told me, Eugene, that your wife is agreed she's buying no more shoes, right? Officially,
1: no, no, no. So she didn't agree to that. Uh, What? As as I'm for the first time ever in the unpacking process, because usually I was, you know, traveling for some company, right? (laughs) Here we're running a startup together. I'm home. And I'm actually helping unpack everything. So we realized two things: um, there's way too many shoes that she has, and way too many spices. She agreed to the spice, but not the shoes. So
2: that's why I figured I didn't think yeah. she would t- ever tell you she's got enough shoes. Um, but uh, so, uh, let's bring I it back to sure. pharma. Yeah, well, I want to make sure sh- I want to make sure that we cover the big news though that we were delaying. The, the, the six months of delays of me coming on the broadcast, there was yeah. a reason. So maybe we should cover that briefly before we go back to Trump. Yeah,
1: there's like four letters, DTRA. So let's yes. let's talk. There's a lot of excitement. I know I tagged a bunch of people, uh, so I'm sure that added to your influx of, of uh, emails and, and tags. But yeah, sure. tell us, tell us.
2: Sure. So we officially last week, which is why we're doing this um, this week, uh, we officially launched uh, DTRA at uh, DTRA.org, which stands for Decentralized Clinical Trials and Research Alliance, which is a nonprofit 5013 c uh, comprised of member companies and organizations. So we have pharma, CROs, service companies, FDA, uh, patient advocacy groups, lots of tech companies. So it really crosses the whole, and I've there's more categories, I don't go on forever. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it yeah. really is a multi stakeholder group that is really focused on how do we really accelerate the adoption, where appropriate, of decentralized methodologies, not just in clinical trials, but really research. And um, what's been amazing to us is we've been working on this for a while before the pandemic, because I think pre 2020, everyone was thinking it's the new thing, right? It's the future thing. But, like everything else in pharma, there was a lot of people working on actual products and supply, and pharma was doing pilots as usual.
1: Right? Not enough and demand. So
2: it was, right. So there just was very slow. Uh, clearly, the upsides and the advantages were clear. Right. But because of our normal conservatism, sometimes appropriately, it really had not pushed as much. Well. So we have been thinking about this since, since last year. And it started because the last three or four years, We've had sessions on decentralized research at Cina Summit. And pretty much, you know, all the all the usual companies that are really major in that space were all there, these sessions. And because Summit's run the way it is, which is non-promotional and kind of very serious about these things, people said, hey we really need to have a meeting just on decentralized. Can you do a meeting Amir? And I explained to them summit really was an accident. It's not my day job. I really do not want to be starting new meetings. This is not what I do for a living. So I was really not interested in starting new meetings. I said, but you know what? I mean, I truly believe looking at where we are now with decentralized is where we are with some other things where really there is no central body to help us, you know, be a trusted source of information. Think about, you know, how do you even define things at the moment? there's a lot of confusion over how you even define certain things within decentralized. Uh, and there's many barriers to adoption that we have to think about. So we worked on this based on the idea that, we you know, we think something like that should exist. And when we went around asking people, it just, everyone said, this is a no brainer. Someone should do it. And I'm always the idiot that when no one else does it, I just do it. Well, you,
1: you said I'm it afraid. before, if something doesn't exist, I go create it. So you just follow your own (laughs) rules. So
2: so the need clearly was there. We actually were gonna have an in-person meeting earlier in the year. I actually flew to Boston, look at some hotels, some of the pharma companies were willing to host it, then COVID hit. And suddenly we had this forced innovation where it became very clear that this is really the time is now, right? So then we basically, uh, oh yes, thank you. And can I just say, um, now that I've paid a fine, I'm happy to pay a second one. I believe, am I not the first guest where we've had the light in front of us in the tunnel that we actually have friends of mine that I know have had the vaccine. So I would like to celebrate for a minute and just say, yeah, so I'm happy to represent the optimism of the light at the end of the tunnel from science. So, well, yes, we, we so,
1: absolutely we have to drink, drink to that. that. And I know your partner in crime, uh, the DTRA, Craig, was Craig very vocal, yes. you know, pushing that the scientists are doing everything possible. And it's absolutely.
2: Amazing. And so thank you, because I, I was actually, uh, my notes I had, we, we'll talk about Craig as well, and so a little bit more about DTR. but I was willing to interrupt the DTRA story just for the vaccine. I think is worth it. 100%. Uh, so um, basically, we decided when, when the pandemic hit uh, that we really, really need to accelerate this. So we spent this year really onboarding people. So we launched uh, last week with just under 60 entities, which really for some organization that hasn't really launched yet, that was pretty amazing to have 60 before launch. I'm, I'm uh, happy and kind of uh, overwhelmed to say the first day it was launched, we had 140 inbound requests to join. And as of last I saw this morning, it's almost 400, which is, well, I'm not sure how all of them will meet criteria, but the inbound is being Unbelievable that how many people are really Amazing. interested to join. And they understand that we're doing, you know, this is needed, we're doing it for the right reasons. And I'm very lucky that my co convener Craig Lipset, which everybody knows, has really been leading specifically decentralized uh, trials since his time at Pfizer, you know, going back literally decades. So I think he's a perfect person to be co-leading this with me. Um, and we've really, between us, I think we know pretty much everyone within you know, the ecosystem. And as you said, we've been advocates for it for a long time. So I think it's natural for us to really bring people together. When We did have our first leadership council meeting last Friday. It went extremely well considering you know, how many diverse stakeholders we have. And we've spent most of this year actually interviewing them and doing surveys to understand what our priorities should be. And what was interesting was you could imagine that perhaps patient groups, FDA, pharma companies would have very different priorities. Interestingly, having done all those interviews, and I saw most of them, we are amazed how much alignment there is around what they see as kind of immediate needs and we've actually discussed those the leadership council will announce them soon What our priorities areas are and i'm actually very excited by the fact that people seem really keen to work together on this so you know it just feels like the first days of cns summit where people understood the sort of mission and really wanted to help so the the inbound has been amazing and so many people have even who are not in companies have reached out and said look um, maybe i don't have a job today or maybe my company's in there but i want to help there's so many individuals too who are really just trying to donate their expertise and time so i'm very excited about it
0: so and, and, amir just for me just break it down a little bit like so when you say like these patient groups and the you know these these organizations like what would be a project or you know that you would oversee or what's
1: the know, goal you know-
0: yeah.
2: sure so it's a couple of things. Uh, one of the common questions actually we get asked, it was very interesting starting it because you can imagine we would go to companies and say, would you like to be in the two questions? were, who else is in? And why are you priorities?" And our answer was, we can't, we aren't going to tell you who else is in and our priorities are not set yet because we're gonna ask you to tell us what our priorities are. So it was kind of an interesting uh, pitch deck, right? So, so luckily people kind of were okay with that. Uh, in terms of what we're going to do, those priorities are just being voted on as we speak, actually, but I can give you some ideas. First of all, there are many other great organizations that are in the space, so you know, Dime, City, IMI in Europe, there are many groups, the American Telemedicine Association, The groups that are, have a very broader remit that have work groups on aspects of decentralized uh, methodologies. And we've actually proactively been uh, reaching out to all those groups. So we see them as sister organizations and we're very happy to see them invest in anything within this area. So we see ourselves as kind of the central clearinghouse of all information, Uh, around decentralized so maybe that some of these other groups will actually spend quite a bit of resources on a particular initiative that means that dtra doesn't have to do that right and we can amplify what they've produced so that's great so we see that as a real network of organizations even within you know a farmer and life industry that will work with each other so we definitely see them as uh you know, uh, brothers in arms in terms of uh, what we do. In terms of what we will specifically do, again, I would say that I don't want to speak for the Leadership Council, but one can imagine things like, you know, definitions, right? Removing barriers. So right now, although temporarily, telemedicine pure might be able to practice beyond their own state in the US, for example, that may not last forever, right? That's only a temporary mm-hmm. thing. Uh, also in traditional trials, You know, I've spent two decades running global clinical trials. Everything I did was in 60 countries. That infrastructure is not available to us right now in terms of decentralized, right? There's many, many barriers to running global decentralized trials. And you can break that down into many, many categories. So you can imagine those are many topics that we could be working on. Uh, Education, just uh, explain to people, you know, how can they actually get into this? So if you think of pharma companies, there's a whole range there always is of early adopters right people who watch to see what others do and a lot of it will be actually learning from each other we've done this i will tell you if you ever look at a video from summit from two years ago the opening quote from someone is people in pharma say it can't be done till they come to summit and see other people already doing it right Mm -hmm. so i think one of the biggest things we can do is share knowledge of what's possible and what people have done in regulatory trials so that the internal conservatism that people have sometimes appropriately they just don't know whether this is something they can do just being able to share that information between the stakeholders will be a huge win
0: but if if you if you were to explain to say someone from finance that was joining you know a health technology company and they were coming in what is a decentralized trial like what is Absolutely
2: the- so so all 30 second
1: by, pitch. Let, let's hear you know, Amir do a 30 second I haven't second actually pitch.
2: developed it, so we don't have a <laughs> pitch. Kidding, but, I'm kidding, I'm well, kidding. But what, if you were asking what, what is a layman's kind of explanation of decentralized trial, right? Let me just go back and give you a bit of history. One good thing about having a central body in some ways is there is some order to the chaos eventually. So nobody called it decentralized trials until very recently. Why was that? It was called virtual trials, remote trials, right? The reason suddenly this decentralized became the thing to say was FDA came up with a guidance that said, our preferred terminology is decentralized because virtual trials actually have a very specific meaning in very early phase trials. That means something completely different. So they wanted clarity around that. So just just an example where if everyone can call it the same thing, it's actually helpful. We still need more work on that. Uh, there's hybrid trials. So all those are things that we will work on making sure people have a common understanding. But in terms of what is it for a lay person is the only thing it means is that unlike at the moment in traditional trials, where as a patient, you're forced to go to a clinical trial site at every visit, right? And if you don't have access geographically, you, know, you don't have the means to go and do that, you cannot be in a clinical trial. All it means is we're allowing the, uh, the ability for patients to ideally choose, even per visit, do I want to go into the clinic today? You know, is that possible for me? Or can I do all this at home? Or a hybrid version would be that, like some clinic visits, some some virtual. The other one would be completely decentralized and, you know, where you never come into a clinic at all. Um, I don't believe we're going to dramatically change that is suddenly going to become remote. It's That's not true, right? right? I will tell you right now, I can do my best to do a physical exam on you right now, Jim, as a physician, the fact that you're on Zoom, That's not optimal, right? Me not being in your room with you, I can't truly say I can do a physical exam. There's many things that technology is not going to solve. So it will be many methodologies. It could be a nurse or a physician coming to your house to do something or take your blood at home, right? So all it really means to me is the ability to allow patients to have better access, diverse patient groups that have not had access before, to really open up that that ability to actually have patients come in traditionally could not have come into those trials make it more convenient for them but also not just for convenience of patients and more accessibility before what would happen you would come in and you'd be assessed in the clinical trial site once a week okay let's take my area of neuroscience okay although i've done trials across many indications uh, within neuroscience what do you do you ask someone how they felt for the last week in a questionnaire. Now, you tell me, Jim, could you tell me how depressed you've been in the last week? Well, there's been seven distinct days, right? When you really depressed Monday morning and feel really good Wednesday. Well, it's a very, All I know is
1: Wednesdays is my good. day. Yes, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> but you know what? If you're in a depression trial and you're being assessed, you're going to get one item rating for the whole week, right? right. How, right. And, which is when you think about it is a tiny fraction of your week that you're kind of, and you're not going to remember what you ate this morning even. So if you think about what remote methodologies will allow us to do is, as we know, look, I'll show you. The other day I was showing people a couple of weeks ago, I'll take it off. I had the Amazon Halo, which, by the way, this week is now available to everyone. Have you guys got it i, signed, I it. signed up
1: for it when i was in us but i haven't
2: actually it's interesting so, so malika, malika right is it uh, yeah is malik
1: there? is there that's right yeah
2: yeah right so someone he is yeah so someone he's involved i believe so um someone noticed on my on my arm the other day on the zoom and they said what is that so oh, it's the uh, halo but what's interesting is you know this thing is actually very good for sleep it has very detailed sleep stuff analyzes your voice. It will tell me how agitated or calm I was during this hour, you know, how I felt. Uh, I can't wait for that data. (laughs) Yeah. Then if you take uh, talking of nakedness, if you take your picture, Um, Actually, it will upload to the Amazon. This is the most intrusive part. You take pictures of yourself without clothes on. You send it to the Amazon, believe it or not, cloud. They promise they will delete it afterwards and they will measure your BMI more accurately than the scale they claim, right? But my point here being that with many devices, we'll be able to track patients all week without having to ask them just today, how did you, how were you? We know how much they walked. We know what the gait was like. So it's not just about convenience or access, I believe it will give us far more information about patients in clinical trials, which, ha, you know, has good and bad. We'll help. Yeah, will help the patients yeah, themselves. It, it, it's better data. So the, for, so the organization, um, yeah. as I see it, so
0: the organization, so, so. Uh, by the way,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the bad guy timing. Yes. Actually, I can see the clock behind you, Jim, too. Yeah,
0: that's right. Oh, yeah. I I <laughs> it's all different times. Go but, ahead, Jim. Yeah, so the organization is going to advocate for better structured and, you know, more collaborative spirit around the idea of, you know, leveraging all this phenomenal technology and remoteness and virtualization and modernizing the approach to trial. Yes. And, and ultimately
1: inclusion then, right? Because if yeah, previously, totally. if previously uh, even geographic exclusion,
2: now right. there, is, there isn't. Mm. Um, but we have to develop that infrastructure, right so so uh, when, when are we going to claim that we were there yet right? I think there's there's, there's three things I'll mention um, We already have the technology to do many things. technology has never been the barrier culture has been. So one of our goals is to really develop that culture just we have for summit to really think about collaboration right And yeah. then thirdly, the other thing I would say is um, many people keep asking, does this mean you won't have clinical trial sites? We actually have, clinical trial networks in DTRA already. And the reason is we absolutely don't believe the sites are going away. Their model, just like for everyone else, will evolve. Uh, many of the remote assessments will be actually done by site staff at the site. So just because you're uh, assessing remotely does not mean that won't be, because those are actually the clinicians who will ultimately Great. be treating the patients when in the clinic, right? After the drug is approved. So, the way we look at it is that how do we, as a whole ecosystem, really think about how to optimize it for patients, for the sites, and ultimately, how do we make it more efficient for pharma to clinic? Phenomenal. Great. Wowzers. Right. So, I,
1: I think, Amir, you win. For I think what? this will be, and I'm talking slowly on purpose because. <laughs> I think we're going, we, we, it's going to be the longest episode ever that everybody must listen to. So la- lastly, maybe you can say where you can be found for DTRA. Like...
2: Absolutely. Um, so DTRA is at DTRA.org. Sienna Summit oh, is at Sienna Summit.org. And uh, we're very responsive. Anyone has questions, we're happy to do that. And my Twitter handle is akalali. Uh, it's more interesting than my LinkedIn. I also do...
1: at Shoe Lover. No. <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah, no, so that's the, <laughs> it's funny, I really, that's not my moniker so far, but yeah. what I would say is, yeah, that's, that's funny, um, what I will say is, uh, you, you want some travel tips, definitely look at my tour timeline, and some and there's some but Jim, I'll tell you the story later about the Dublin exploits and the FBI.
0: Definitely, well, congrats on DTRA, that sounds that Thank sounds you. phenomenal, and I've heard over the years, I, w- I wanted to go to CNS Summit, and I just didn't happen, but I heart heard fantastic feedback lots of my I appreciate that deeps. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. no, definitely
2: we, we have fun there and uh, thank you for doing this by the way I've watched every episode you know guys are doing a phenomenal job really enjoyed. yeah no thanks, thanks thank for you coming very
1: around. much it was awesome to have you and for all of the listeners and viewers just hit that subscribe button we're we're hitting all kinds of crazy numbers Jim yeah, One we'll into 2021.
2: Oh, after this week, I mean the the CRF will come in, yeah. I, I know.
1: Send, send send all the four hundred in the yeah. in the footer with the yeah. link to Thanks. this episode. There you go. Absolutely. We'll
2: yeah. All right. Thank <laughs> you guys. Take Cheers. care.